Broadcasting from the ESPN Radio Studios in Tallahassee, Florida, and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast with Tom Lang. I know this is a podcast, and I know that I am paid to talk on this podcast, but I'm damn near speechless. I'm just so happy. This is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast, the Stanley Cup Championship Edition of the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. Part of the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network brought to you all tournament long, all postseason long, all post postseason long. I guess this is the offseason now. Post victory lap by Bill Curry Ford. And that's right, Bill Curry Ford, General Manager Sean Sullivan, will do anything and everything it takes to put you in a new Bill Curry Ford. I'll tell you more about that later. But you know that Bill Curry Ford is located one mile north of Raymond James Stadium, and you know that they are Tampa's first family of Ford. More on them in a bit. Guys, it's been, and gals, of course, it's been 16 years since I've seen my team skate towards their goaltender, embrace their goaltender, smash into the wall behind the net to celebrate a Stanley Cup. And I've forgotten how good it feels. I mean, I knew it was awesome, but I had forgotten just how awesome. And I was lucky enough 16 years ago in 04 to see it with my own eyes. And this time on TV, just like everybody else who was a part of the distant thunder, we had no choice. But Edmonton, Alberta, Canada now holds a special place in our heart. I think it should forevermore. It's the place that we skated with the Stanley Cup. Our bolts, they earned it all them, that coaching staff. The night that Steven Stamkos accepted the cup from Gary Bettman. And for a long while, it looked like it would never, ever happen. And before I get into the magnitude of all that this means, full marks to head coach John Cooper for realizing the scope of the problem, for having a general manager in Julian Brisebois who had the patience and the fortitude to say we can make it work with our current staff and our current roster, and then taking it to the next level. We could score. We always could. Tic-tac-toe plays, beautiful power play goals, off the rush, one and dones, but it, it, the one and done would be the goal. It, four on threes, three on twos, incredible speed, home run passes. Not much activity from the defense when it comes to DDD passes. It's just get it down to your forwards and go crazy. We could always do that, and we were so good at it, and it's what helped us to 62 wins a year ago. But the commitment that this group showed to playing the game a heavier way a way that closed gaps, a way that cycled the puck, included D-to-D pass, crowding the net, going for greasy goals, rebounds. That's a whole new way of playing hockey. And for a coach who had taught the same trick over and over to learn a new one, impart it successfully to a team, and to have it be absorbed into their culture, into who they are, and then produced out on the other side, with a championship. Just full marks to John Cooper. How often do you see a coach at the highest level 
change what they do in order to take a team from one step short, or in our case last year, several steps short to the promised land. Full marks to Steven Stamkos for being the conduit, the person who helped carry it along this message and helped instill it into his team. Coach Cooper and Steven Stamkos this time last year were failures as a coach and a captain. They adapted and they made that team into what you see today. They're the principal players in it. There are others. Victor Hedman is another one who is right in that conversation. But these are the two men who were front and center for the failures and the shortcomings. And so they should be the ones that are propped up the highest when it comes to the celebration of the breakthrough and the success. So to those two guys, what an amazing, amazing run this has been. And I know that Stammer played under three minutes and he scored the goal and that was great. But in order to hold it all together, you've got to have somebody who can tell you like it is. And Stamkos did that for this group. They all documented it in the exit interviews, even a little bit as this thing went along. And I'm just so proud. I'm so proud to be a Lightning fan. I always have been. I'll go off on a, on a personal tangent here for a moment because this is what winning championships is all about, is, is the memories that you build along the way, the friendships, the family members. I mean, guys, I know you out there, gals and guys, you have the same experience on a certain level. I had text message changed with certain friends. I had Zoom calls with certain friends. I had phone calls with friends from back in college. I had a text chain, a group text, with my sisters, Amy and Katie, who loved this team. And Katie worked for the team in the 90s. I had a phone call with my mom talking about what this team has done, what it's meant. She couldn't stop talking about Vasilevsky. We talked for the final two minutes of Game 6. Once we killed off that penalty, and it seemed a little bit more real that Dallas probably wasn't going to rally, even though we were turtling towards the end and just playing completely collapsed in our own zone, get the puck out, get it down, get changed. It's Two-goal lead's different than a one-goal lead. So once it was apparent at around two minutes to go that this thing was going to happen, I picked up the phone, I called my my mom in Palm Harbor, and it's a memory I just, I'll just i always have, and that's what these things should be about. Of course, we love the goals. Of course, we love the overtime finishes, and we love to to celebrate our hockey heroes. But it's those memories. Those are the ones that stay. And, you know, I'll tell you, the reason I love sports the mo- as much as I do and the reason I love the Lightning as much as I do is it's twofold. When my sister worked for the team in the 90s and I got to see these guys, I mean, I know that hockey players and athletes aren't perfect. They're far from it. But try telling that to the nine-year-old version of me or try telling that to a kid that these players aren't anything but perfect and superhuman. And so I got to meet these guys when I was a pup behind the scenes. I got to see them come for their paychecks. I mean, crazy stuff like that. And so that's how I fell in love with the team. But I fell in love with the sport and the franchise because of 2004. And I believe I told the story before, maybe in past seasons. But it was a really, really tough postseason for my family where... You know, we would go to games, my sisters and I, and then my parents started taking me to games. So we had a 10-game season package up in Section 304, 305 of uh, the Ice Palace, and then it became a half season, 
Then we went down to section 110. Then it became a full season. And then we went over to section 122. And that's where we were for years to watch the Lightning come back from a 2-0 series deficit to win the series 4-2 against the Capitals in 03, to come up short against the Devils in the next series. Goaltending questions were abound after that year, actually. John Graham versus Nikolai Hobby Bullen. And then 04. And I remember one afternoon in April, I came home from playing, you guessed it, pick up hockey, and I came to my family room. My mom was sitting there, and it's a very typical Florida house. It's on, you know, a golf course. It's on the fourth hole of Landsberg Golf Club in Palm Harbor. And the windows are always open. The blinds are always the ones that you know stretch from the ceiling down to the floor that lead to the pool. Those ones are always swept to the side. The sunshine is always in that room. It's got the tile floors to keep your feet cool. It's just, it is a Tampa Bay home, quintessentially. And it was dark in that room that day. And I remember my mother telling me that she had some bad news. And I knew it because there was no light in the room. And and um, my my grandfather had passed, my, my dad's dad. And I'd gotten to know him quite well over the years. And um, we were close. And so my dad had to go to Brooklyn uh, to be with his dad uh, and his mother, who uh, was still around. And it was just a, it was a tough moment. It was a week into the playoffs. I mean, we had just started against the Islanders. And so we went up for the funeral. Um, we got to see all the family and my grandmother. And I remember I had the hockey lettuce at the time. She did not approve. And, and she said, I don't like it. And that was, you know, what she told me as we were leaving the door and she was going to come down and maybe make it to a playoff game or two later in the run. 30 days later, my grandmother passed away. My dad's mom, he lost both of his parents within 30 days, April 15th and March, uh, and May 14th. 4155142004. And that was just after the Montreal series. We're into the, you know, best of 7 against Philly. So we fly up to Brooklyn all too soon for the same reason, incredible sadness. And we could talk anytime about the Lightning to make us feel a little bit better. And that's what we did. The next series against Calgary, we win the cup and the moment that made me fall in love with sports on a level that transcends anything that I'd ever felt before was as we're winning the cup, I was able to share a real embrace, a real hug with my dad and my mom. And I just, you could feel a little bit of the pain in that hug. I had lost grandparents, of course, but he lost his folks. And my mom was very close, especially with my, my dad's mom. And to have that team provide us that distraction for that period of time and to provide us that kind of joy forevermore and those memories that will ride with me until I can't remember anything. That's what sports is. And I was reminded of that when we won on Monday night. And I know that this is a tough year for a lot of people who are listening to this particular podcast. It's been difficult, whether it's job status Somebody you love, somebody you know has been lost. And I'm just so thankful. Because even if our team didn't win, you'd have those memories. But it's really nice to win it. It makes it all the better. Like I said last week, that Stamkos goal, 
you'll remember where you were when he scored in the cup finals, but you'll really remember where you were if we lift the cup. And we have. I'll break it down a little bit more, but I, I hope you were okay with me indulging there and, and kind of sharing why the lightning mean that what they do and why sports is just so special and how rare it is to win a cup. You know, in 04, we thought maybe there'd be a partial labor stoppage, a half season that comes after. Next thing you know, the lockout happens. The players all go play in a world championship just after. I remember Vinny and, and Brad and Marty being on uh, Team Canada. And then the season never happens. There's a fateful day, and uh, I forget, just after New Year's, and, and nothing was going to happen. So the team gets broken up. Nikolai Hobby Bullen goes to Chicago. He was under con Everybody was coming back. And so you, you thought, even in the jubilation of winning and realizing how special it was, you thought, we'll be back soon. Well, it took 16 years. I was in high school, and now I'm in my mid-30s. <laughs> I'm going to be a homeowner in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's absurd. I'm going to be married in the next year. And I had just barely, you know, finished up uh, my consideration list of colleges at that point. So you just don't know how often you're going to get these things. Cherish all of it. You know, I hope you really enjoyed, if you haven't seen it yet, maybe you taped it. The victory celebration at Raymond James. A lot of drunken, idiotic moments. That It's just, those are legendary. A lot of phone calls. If you haven't made them, do it. Embrace all of this. It's just, it's all so temporary. And when your team climbs to the top and you get to watch your favorite players Smile like those guys smiled. Pure jubilation. For the things they bring to us, and sure, we pay for the price of admission, and we pay for a jersey or a hat, but for the gifts they give us, to see them rewarded makes me smile. And I'm going to be smiling Tampa Bay through the end of next season. Whatever happens, and I hope we get back there, but whatever happens, this can never be taken away. And I just hope that in your own storage banks, in your own brain, you've created some memories that you can take with you. Because that's what it means to be a Bolt. That's what it means to be a Lightning fan and a fan of sports. We'll get to the particulars of the game itself. I'll break down game six mostly. Um, just some of the guys I'm really happy for, some of the storylines. And then, obviously, maybe a little bit of talk about the, the shuffling that's to come. Guys, I mean, you know, when when we win in 04, it's on a standard timeline. When most teams win, it's in that first week of June. Free agency starts on July 1st. So you get two and a half, three weeks to really enjoy it before lineup shuffling comes. That's not the case now. A week from tomorrow. I'm recording this on Thursday, the 1st of October. A week from tomorrow. This team's going to look different. It's going to start. The change is going to start. But these guys, those photos, that celebration, those names on the cup, they're all going to be together. Anytime you get a good chance to go to Toronto, maybe you bring your kids or your grandkids or whatever years from now, there they will be. The 2019-2020 Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Aren't we so proud? Congrats to the Bolts. 
All righty, Bill Curry for General Manager Sean Sullivan will help you personally by phone, email, or in person at their giant showroom on Dale Mabry Highway, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. That's the kind of service you get from Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford, and owned by the Curry family for the past 60 years. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and you'll see the incredible 0% financing offers for 72 months and the signature nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. That's all at BillCurryFord.com and we thank them one final time until the next time we sign on for supporting Championship Hockey Talk in Tampa Bay. Thank you so very much. Wow, guys. So the sentimental stuff for the moment is over. Uh, game six was a joy to watch because of the complete nature of that victory. Two to nothing is about the minimum score that we could have won by. Dallas has under 10 shots through two periods. They're out, of, they're out of legs. We had used up all of their resources, and so had they, in order to even push it to a game six, and that became apparent early. They needed power plays. They would need some counterattack chances. They need some luck in order to generate a lead, and maybe they get adrenaline out of that. Instead, the boa constrictor that is the Tampa Bay Lightning draws a bunch of penalties. They score on a Braden Point rush up the ice, and if you notice on that play, here's the key. I was shouting this at my TV. So it's Hedman and, oh, I forget, uh, 13. Uh, Hedman and a star are rushing towards the corner, in our own defensive zone because Dallas had just cleared. And so Hedman is trying to assume control of the puck. It's Yanmark. That's who it was. It was Yanmark. Hedman's trying to take the puck away from Yanmark, make sure that he doesn't secure it for some around-the-horn passing and, and some killing of the power play. And Yanmark ends up taking a spill into the corner boards, and Hedman has the puck on his stick. And as he turns around, I'm shouting. I'm shouting. And my fiance <laughs> is responding. She's like, come on. Because you've got one man pinned down. You've got a five-on-three or a four-on-three if you just just push the pace up. And Hedman was alert to it, as he always is, the consmite winner himself. And that's not a bad pick for the award. Nope. I think it was him or Point. One of the two, and I would have been okay with both. But Hedman turns around, fires it up the ice, and guess what happens? You've got an opportunity with space. Braden Point emerges in the middle of the zone off of a beautiful stop move from Nikita Kucherov to create some space for a passing lane, as he always does. He feeds Braden Point, and Braden skates to an open area between the circles. Why is that area open? Well, because the fourth man is still caught down the ice, and he's trying to get back in position. That's why you force the play in moments like that. Young kids playing. If you've got numbers, go run. We know that in basketball in transition, too. You learned that early. If you've got numbers, go and push. We had numbers. Braden shoots the puck. A juicy, terrible rebound off the body of Hudobin, who clearly had to be feeling fatigue. He had not played a back-to-back in the playoffs, and he had to endure that multiple overtimes over the weekend. Bad, bad rebound. Braden Point cashes it one to nothing. Then the boa constrictor starts to tighten all the more. And while Dallas did have some chances, they didn't have all that many. And the boa constrictor kept going to work. And then Patty Maroon plays a little bit of wiffle ball, plays a little bit of baseball, bats a puck out of the air in the middle of a change as we're executing it. And he fires a puck across to Paquette, Paquette to Coleman, circle to circle, one-timer, shot back into the body of Hudobin, who's just too damn late to get there. Off of his body and in two to nothing. 
And at that point, it felt awfully good. It felt awfully good, like we were going to close this sucker out. And so we did. Dallas had a rush in the last five minutes or so. They were saving up all their energy, but it makes a huge difference at 2 nothing versus 2-1. to one. Just ask fans who have been through the 2004 Stanley Cup run what kind of difference it makes. I felt comfortable enough to make a phone call with two minutes to go. I never would have done that against Calgary. Not a 2-1 to one in Game 7. No sir, no ma'am. And we end up taking the cup. And, you know, of the people I'm happy for, it's got to start at the top with, with Jeff Vinnick. It was his vision. Uh, it's his money. <laughs> uh, but it's his vision to flip the city of Tampa into what it's becoming. But it was his vision to hire people who were qualified to do their jobs, empower them, and pay them to do their jobs, give them the resources to do their jobs, and then get the hell out of the way. For somebody like that who built the hockey operations side with that philosophy and then also built the fan relations side with the same philosophy where he gets the Liwickies, one of the Liwicky brothers to come from Seattle where they had been voted the Seahawks one of the creme de la creme operations in all of professional sports. Take that model, take that knowledge and build it. And to see this thing turn into a, a group and a franchise that has hundreds of consecutive sellouts and a fan base that was so rabid they knocked the fences down to rush into Thunder Alley on Monday night when we had won the Cup. I mean, it's like to turn it from that ridiculous Saw spinoff franchise, Barry Melrose and Cools and, and Brian Lawton, and Lawton did a good job with a couple of draft picks. There's no doubt there. But to turn it from that dysfunctional organization into what it is, you, you have to first start with Jeff Vinnick as somebody that you're happy for. That dude is in it to make some money for his kids. There's no doubt that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a linchpin part of his plan in order to set up even more generational wealth. But he's also a good guy. Two things can be true. He's a philanthropist. All the things he's given back to this city and the things he's doing to advance the city of Tampa, he deserves it. He deserved that cup. And I'm glad he's got it, and I hope he gets a couple more. But that's somebody I'm really happy for. Another person I'm extremely happy for, well, it's got to be Victor Hedman. He's my favorite Lightning player. It's just, it's that simple. Roman Hammerlick for years, even though he never accomplished half the things that Victor has. <laughs> um, he still played a thousand games in the league and, and he, was my, he was my childhood little guy that I looked up to. But Victor is my favorite player. And I'm so happy for him because Victor, just look at him. Even in the celebration, when everybody is is going crazy and, and down in some beverages left and right, Victor looked like he was right down the middle. He was having a good time, but he wasn't going too far. You've seen the workout videos. You've seen the work ethic. You see the family man that that guy is. You see that he's got little quirks about him, and he's become such a an alpha in that locker room, an extension of what it is that the Tampa Bay Lightning culture is all about and somebody who fortifies it. How can you not be happy for somebody like Victor Hedman? I'm so happy for Zach Bogosian, somebody I thought would be little to no part of the equation whatsoever in the bubble if Jan Ruda was healthy. And yet Bogosian was a plus player for us. Think about the two-on-one 
that he generates with Blake Coleman in the Boston series and how huge that goal was and some of the plays he made from the point, some of the passes he made to leave the zone. His first taste of Stanley Cup playoff hockey took him all the way to the end and to the top. Got to be super happy for him. I'm really happy for Ryan McDonough, somebody who was brought here to help finish the job. It took a couple of years longer than we expected, but McDonough quietly, and I was knocking on wood last week, had one hell of a cup final. There have been times in his tenure with Tampa where it looks like he's unsure of himself in big moments. He was not unsure for a second in that cup final. He took advantage of every shift, made huge plays. So I'm really happy for Ryan McDonough. And I'm happy for the city. That city's hurting just like everybody is. Look how happy everybody was. I, I understand that they probably could have done a little bit better job of distancing. But everybody was just looking for something, a release. They were looking for an escape and a reason to throw their hands to the sky and say yes for a change instead of throwing their hands to the sky and saying why. And that's great. And finally, how can you not be happy for Rick Peckham? His final call as a Tampa Bay Lightning play-by-play man was an overtime goal for Braden Point. How fitting is that? A win over the Columbus Blue Jackets over John Tortorello. The symmetry there. The symmetry. He'd already been there for an MC at one cup championship celebration. That was inside Amelie Arena in, in June of 2004. And then he had the one the other night in Raymond James. The perfect MC. He had the final word on the 2019-2020 season. Think about that. How poetic is that for somebody who is as special and meaningful to this franchise as Rick Peckham is? This team's not going to be the same next year, guys. That's the uh, the crummy part is you look at, you know, the space that the Lightning have, it's around $10 million. The cap's not going up this year. It might not go up next year. And in order to take or have somebody else take contracts on, you've got to send picks along with it. You saw the stall trade where uh, the Steve Eiserman led Detroit Red Wings, and I'm kind of happy for him too, but Breezeball had to put his own spin on it to make this thing work. I won't get sidetracked there. He set it in motion, but Breezeball did more than just hold it together for a finish. He had to tweak it. But Steve Eiserman acquired Mark Stahl from the Rangers along with a second-round pick. In order for the Rangers to get relief from that big contract under the cap, they had to send along a second-round pick to go with it. And so that makes me go, uh-oh, for somebody to take on Alex Kalorn, which if you're looking at no movement clauses and the realities of those, if Tyler Johnson doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere. Kalorn can, though. So we'll see what happens with him. Cedric Paquette. Every 500000 to $1 million matters in this equation. It matters greatly. Tampa Bay only has uh, but three defensemen under contract for next year. Two of them are quite expensive, Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. Sergachev and Chernak are restricted free agents. So what do you do? You got to fill those gaps. Sergachev is due a hefty raise. Anthony Sorelli is due a hefty raise. Tough decisions ahead. And they're going to be happening fast. I'm recording this on the 1st of October. I was half expecting to hear some whispers about what was happening with our roster by now. But there's a lot of ways the Lightning could go. Julian Breezeboss said today in a press conference on Thursday, October 1st, that he doesn't expect to use the buyout provision for the Lightning, in which you could see 50% relief on somebody's cap hit, and then you pay them out over a period of time. 
Tyler Johnson would have been a candidate for that maybe. But I don't think that's going to happen because the general manager said that's not the direction that they want to go. Maybe they can talk one of the guys into wanting a trade like Tyler or Yanni Gord. I like I don't want to see any of these guys go except for maybe Tyler Johnson. But like I don't want to see any of these guys really leave the equation, but the economic realities are what they are. So this is going to get bumpy pretty quickly, and it'll be interesting to see what direction they take. Um, you know, I, I actually I misspoke a little earlier when I said it was ten million. I just looked at my phone, and it's five point three million that the Lightning have right now in open space. But I'm projecting that you know Kalorin's four point four or or somebody else's five million is going to come off the books out of that forward group. So you're going to be looking at something close to nine or, or, or $10 million of space once we make that first move. The question is, how do you just make all the puzzle pieces work from there? The good news is, as sobering as that discussion might be, well, the reason we need to sober up is because we're celebrating a Stanley Cup. <laughs> the two-time Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, have now won their second cup. This has been a journey on the Joe Boltz fan podcast. We have not done a Joe Boltz fan podcast with this topic, you know, the one where we actually win all the games that we need to win. And it's pretty cool. And I'm hoping in the years to come that we have this show and that we have an ending like the ending to this show. I hope all of you out there have had one hell of a run, just like I have. All the nerves, the relief you've gotten this week to be able to go to bed at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night. Doesn't that feel great? And there's no sleep like the sleep of a champion. Sure, we didn't skate on the ice. We didn't scout. We weren't the video coach. We weren't the general manager. But if you've been around for 20 or 30 years watching this team, close to 30 if you've been there since the beginning, if you've been around for a generation, 10 years, you've given five good years of your life to watching at minimum 30 to 40 hockey games a year, and they're all lightning games, this is yours. This is 100% yours, just like it is theirs. I'm really proud to be a Bolt. I hope you are too, and I can't wait to talk to you again on the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. Hopefully that comes very soon. Be safe. Be healthy. Be good to one another and enjoy the moniker. You are a Stanley Cup champion if you are a Lightning fan. Mr.